the voice of Motown, West Virginia's leader in news, analysis, and rumors, proudly presents the Voice of Motown podcast, featuring your boys, Brandon and Tyler. Take it away, gentlemen. All right, this is the Voice of Motown podcast. I'm Tyler Pepe. And I'm Brandon Cork, and this is a WVU sports podcast by two suffering WVU fans. All right. In today's episode, we have a lot of topics to discuss, and we are joined by one of Voice of Motown's own. We have Brad Smith today. What's up, guys? Good to be here. All How's right. It going, so, yeah, 100%. Thanks for coming on. This should be fun today. Yeah. Um, let's dive right into it. First up, last week, Akeem Mesador announced that he will be transferring um, or entering the transfer portal, I should say. And this kind of caught everybody by surprise, not just the fans, but the coaching staff as well. Neil Brown was very open, honest, and even shocked in his press conference following this news. He explained that players normally have a change in behavior or give some sort of sign before they end up transferring. And uh, Coach Brown, he just seemed very surprised and hurt by this decision. So what's everybody's reaction? Uh, My first thought is, You know, I think that's a big blow to the defense because, you know, two-year starter, he was entering his third year. Um, A lot of people talked about him as a person to watch when it came to, like, NFL names coming into his sophomore year based on how he did his freshman year. Um, You know, he had five sacks, six and a half tackles for a loss as a true freshman, and that was in 10 games. So um, he made his presence felt, and that WVU defensive line was really, really tough. Um, He did see his production drop a little bit this year moving inside. Um, and it does sound like that was a contributing factor, but I mean, it's really hard to re- replace someone who has that kind of unique combination of size, athleticism, skill, strength, motor, um, kind of the whole package. Yeah, I think, I think it's a big blow for, for Neil Brown too, because this was, you know, his first recruit that, that left the team. And, um, but I do think it was, I think it was a football move. I think he wanted to play, he said he wanted to play defensive end. He wanted to play the five technique. Um, you know, there's some schools out there, Miami that plays a four, three and seems like a perfect fit. So, um, I, that, that just makes too much sense to me. Yeah. yeah. I can definitely see that happening. I'm with you. Yeah. Mesador, he mentioned, you know, initially he got a lot of heat for this. And I think rightfully so that uh, he was saying on social media, he was worried about his safety following that stabbing incident with one of his teammates in Morgantown. And so, um, you know, I don't really think that's why he's leaving. I think it's what Brad said. He's mentioned he he feels strongly about playing defensive end. And um, who knows, maybe after that spring practice, maybe the coaches made it pretty clear that he was going to be playing inside a little bit again this year. And he probably thought, I only have two years left, so um, maybe I'll test the waters out somewhere else. Uh, That's probably, you know, the biggest reason. But, you know, as we all know, with NILs and everything else, it could be uh, even more into that decision. What do you guys think? Yeah, I definitely think NILs has something to do with it for sure. Um, Another thing that, you know, kind of makes me question the move too is, you know, obviously WVU took a chance on him. He wasn't a highly recruited guy. He came in. But if you look at defensive ends in the NFL, like if you're playing five tech or you're playing outside as like an eight or a nine, you know, you got to have some sort of like 
length to you. And that's really one thing Messler was lacking. Um, I think his, if he's going to play in NFL, it's like a three tech at the defensive tackle. And I know WVU doesn't really play that style, but um, hopefully that's a move that he's willing to switch over to. Cause I think that would be most beneficial for him and WVU with the way we adjust our fronts. We kind of play a little bit of three down, a little bit of four down, uh, bringing a linebacker up. Um, so that, that movement around for him was, I think, interesting, at least when it came to his NFL future, cause it showed his versatility, but you know, is he going to get that same opportunity at his next location? Because if he goes to a Miami, if he goes to a, a USC, that's a lot more competition. And if you can't do something really well at that one position, you're going to get taken over by someone else. Yeah, and the other thing he did mention in his statement was that he didn't want to have a lot of competition, um, which I thought was interesting, you know, and he's going to these, you know, USC, he's looking at USC, Tennessee, Miami, some of these bigger schools. Um, I thought it was really disappointing that he said that he felt unsafe in, in West Virginia. Um, I thought that was a garbage excuse. Um, I, I had a couple of students text me from West Virginia, and they said that, you know, they saw him at the mountain lair, they saw him hanging out, he didn't seem scared at all, so... Um, I don't buy that excuse at all. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it was kind of a shot towards West Virginia on his way out, which um, I don't think he did himself any favors doing that. Uh, but I, I will say I do like how Neil Brown um, handled it in his press conference because I feel like, and maybe this was just the first time he felt this way, but I feel like he actually showed emotion about it that, um, you know, these guys leaving, it it does hurt because you are putting a lot of time and effort into them. And then all of a sudden they're just folding right before um, they're going to have really big years and and obviously help your team out. So um, I will say, I I do like the way coach Brown handled that. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, he finally said something about a transfer and that was a step in the right direction. That was my biggest complaint about him is that him and Lions both kind of all during the entire deluge that was 2021 into 2022, um, it, there was really not a peep. Um, it seemed like those were kind of expected casualties to it. And I think as a fan base, we're not close enough to the organization. We're not close enough to what's being done every day in practice, what they're hearing and seeing that, you know, these guys leaving in the numbers that they did, it's shocking to us. And then, the coaching staff acts like it's nothing. Finally, we get some concern and some indication that these things aren't supposed to be happening. And then hopefully that is also a sign that him and his coaching staff is are going to put in some sort of implementation or some strategy in place to stop these things from happening because it is becoming a problem. Yeah, that was my favorite Neil Brown press conference by far in the three years that he's been here. Um, you know, I think we, we saw the real Neil Brown for a a change and it was, it was just nice. It was, it was, it was cool to see. Yeah, I agree. I wish, uh, coaches would be, uh, a little more real in their press conferences the way he was, but, um, that's pretty much all I had to say on the situation. You guys got anything else before we move on? Um, I kind of want to talk briefly about kind of what's left after he, he came after he's leaving and. You know, looking at the depth chart behind him, you have Jordan Jefferson and Eddie V. I'm just going to call him because I can't pronounce his last name. (laughs) Um, But, you know, they both played quite a bit last year, and they were both good. So um, even though losing Messador hurts quite a bit, I think we have a ton of depth at the defensive line position. We have a ton of talent there. And we're not talking – we haven't even mentioned, like, 
the new transfer Lawton coming in or Sean Martin, who played a lot last year at defensive end. Um, we have a lot of size there, a lot of youth and a lot of talent. I liked a lot of what I've seen out of those other players. And Jordan Jefferson's a guy who played off and on last year, but you know, for an analytics guy like me, his PFF grades were really, really good. He was actually one of the highest graded defense linemen on WVU um, during his limited amount of play. So maybe with that expanded role, he is a bigger guy. So I doubt he can play as often as Mesador did. He's going to need a break. He's almost 300 pounds, but you know, it doesn't hurt to have someone who maybe can be more productive in shorter spurts and then get the, some of those younger guys in there, get them experience for, you know, when the time comes. Yeah, Jordan yeah, Jefferson. I'll- Jordan Jefferson is a monster. He's going to be great this year. Um, I'm not. I'm not a big uh, next man up guy because I do worry about losing all this depth and all of the talent that we've lost. But I really think Jordan Jefferson is going to step up and be, you know, not as good as Mesador, but certainly um, he'll be able to fill the role. Yeah, that's basically what I was going to say. I like the way Jefferson played, but it's going to be hard to be as good as Mesador, probably. Um, but. But we'll see. I mean, who knows? He he got some experience last year, and now maybe with a bigger role, maybe he'll be hungry and, and step up and have a big year. We'll, we'll just have to see, I guess. Definitely. All right, guys, let's move on to topic two. We got uh, Georgia transfer. JT Daniels is making his official visit to Morgantown this weekend. He has two years of eligibility left, and West Virginia is entering the 2022 season with sophomores and freshmen at the quarterback position. So what are your thoughts on JT Daniels coming to West Virginia? I'm excited to get him on campus because it seems like either you come to Morgantown and you fall in love and you want to be there and you hear it immediately or you walk out and you never come back again. Um, So, you know, with that kind of being the trend, getting him here, especially as the last visit after visiting Missouri and Oregon state in March, Um, I think it's a great way to end things. And it puts a lot of pressure on Neil Brown and the staff um, to get him to stay, you know, like they say in NFL free agency, bring him in town. Don't let him leave. Um, That's what I'm hoping with JT Daniels, because as much confidence as I have in, you know, the futures of Crowder, Green, Nico, um, Daniels, even though he has been banged up, has shown the ability to perform at the biggest stage in college football. And none of these other guys have yet. So, you know, these next two years are going to be huge for Neil Brown. Getting the best talent in there at quarterback who can start day one and perform um, is going to be huge. And Daniels, during his time at Georgia, when he did start, he was 7-0. and So he's a winner, too. Yeah, every time I write an article about JT Daniels, every comment um, that I'm getting is, you know, we don't need him. You know, he's a, we have the three young guys. We have Green, Marchio, and, and uh, uh, Crowder. And I just think that's crazy. I mean, this is a, this is a five-star quarterback. He was one of the best players in his class. Um, I, and he, he gives West Virginia the very best possible uh, chance of beating a really tough pit team in the season opener. So I think it's just a no-brainer to do everything they possibly can to get him, um, you know, to stay. Um, I'm a little concerned that, you know, Neil Brown isn't maybe going to fawn over him like uh, Missouri and Oregon State have. That He's not going to act like he, he's absolutely needed. And and that's a concern for me because I, I do think that we need him this year. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, I could see it both ways. JT Daniels is definitely proven. Like Brandon just said, he was 7-0 and at Georgia. 
And if you look at his career stats, he's almost thrown for 5,000 yards, 32 touchdowns. So, I mean, it's not like he's been just riding the bench his whole career. He's got playing time experience. And um, he, I think he can bring a lot to West Virginia next year because we just mentioned how young our quarterbacks are. Um, but I could also see like how some people are concerned that this could chase Nico away. I mean, we just talked about guys transferring. And if Daniels comes in here and plays two years, Nico could leave. Um, but I, I think we're all in agreement. Neil Brown needs to win now, and, and he gives you the best chance to win now more than likely. So I'm all about it. Bring him in. Um, and you just got to kind of gamble and hope that some of your young talent's not leaving. Plus, the reason, you know, JT Daniels isn't the bona fide starter at Georgia is injury issues. So even if he comes in and has a solid six games and then gets hurt, well, that's six games that some of these young guys, Green, Crowder, Nico, got more time to develop and get knowledge from an experienced quarterback like Daniels. So um, I, I think overall, yeah, bring them in. And honestly, my approach to it is, is, you know, get the best talent in there. And if someone leaves, especially if they're not playing, it's not as big as a loss as losing someone like a Mesador or, uh, you know, a Scotty or not Scotty Young. He didn't transfer Jackie Matthews, Jr., Daryl Porter, Jr., et cetera. Um, and if Nico would transfer, if Crowder would transfer, if Green would transfer, it seems like quarterback is a, position that Brown has done a really good job of bringing in quality guys. I mean, you look at Jeter for next year, he's a pretty highly regarded guy, um, Nico, obviously. And then that could even further the, um, I guess the provocativeness of WVU. If JT Daniels comes in here and puts up really good numbers. I mean, with Neil Brown's recruiting, a proven offensive system that works with Graham Harrell, maybe some winning, JT Daniels leaves. Maybe he gets picked in the NFL draft. That's something that you can sell to recruits and bring in someone else to replace those guys who are leaving. So um, if someone leaves, they leaves. But I want the best product on the field this season just because, I mean, we need it. We need it badly. Yeah, Brandon hit it right on the head. You 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 got to bring in the best talent. Um, you know, these players, they could leave for a million reasons. They could transfer for, you know, because yeah, maybe Marco starts next year and, and has an incredible year and then he leaves. I mean, there's, there's a million different reasons why he, he could decide to leave. So, um, you just put the best player on the field and, and that, that pit game especially is so huge for the program. Um, and I would, I would certainly prefer to have someone with some experience, um, rather than one of the young guys. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, and you bring up a good point, too. If he comes in and has two big years, that's just going to attract more people. I yep. mean, that's essentially what Dana did with, uh, you know, Gino put up big stats, and then he was able to snag guys like Trickett, Howard, Greer, um, who were all transfers coming in because um, they knew they could put up numbers. So who knows? Maybe he comes in, has two big years, and then we just get a flood of guys who want to play at West Virginia at the quarterback position. So. Um, yeah, you guys bring up good points. Um, you got anything else before we move on? Uh, no, I just hope whenever he comes in on the ninth, what's that in three days, mm-hmm. we hear some good things, we see some good tweets, and uh, he announces he's going to come home. Man, that would be great. Um, what do you guys think? Between Green, Marchio, and Crowder, do you think they'll all stay, or do you think one of them is going to end up leaving in the next year or two? I, I Personally, I think definitely – even if Daniels doesn't come here, I think it's almost a guarantee one of them's going to bolt because that's just the way it is. And I really don't blame them. Like, 
uh, let's say JT doesn't come here and Nikio gets the starting position. Um, do those two guys just want to ride bench their whole college career because he's younger than them? So I think right. 100% we're going to lose at least one of them no matter what. Yeah, I think the only one who we might have a chance of keeping, uh, I think the two kind of question marks in my mind are Crowder and Nico because what you can do with Green, in my opinion, is if he just can't win the competition this year, you can sell him on moving wide receiver, moving to defensive back, something like that. I think he's athletic enough to do that. And kind of like what Dana did with Sills, even though as badly as Sills wanted to play quarterback, he can say your future's at playing slot receiver, for example. With you know Crowder and Nico, you really can't do that. So those guys have to stick at quarterback. And whoever wins the competition this year, whether it's Nico, Crowder, or Green, I think one of Nico or Crowder will definitely be gone. Yeah, I was I was shocked that Garrett Green came back this year. I really last year I was convinced there was no way he was coming back. I thought for sure, um, you know, based on how Brown kind of handled him last year and didn't really seem to have a lot of confidence in him on the field. I just felt like there was no way he was coming back, and I'm, I was kind of surprised that he came back. Yeah, I mean, I, it definitely seemed like it was a tough situation last year because, especially early on in the season, where the fan base was even rooting for him. And every time he made a big play, the, the crowd would roar. Um, mm-hmm. That gives you confidence as a player. And then whenever you get pulled after one series, you know, at, at some yeah. point, like that, that confidence gets to your head and you just say, well, the fans know it. I know it. Why ain't I doing anything? Um, it's a, a lot of willpower by, and you know, competitiveness by Green to come back and say, you know, I want to win this job. I want to prove my haters wrong and I want to do it here. And so far, based on what I've, you know, I've heard and read that he's, he's looked the best. He's looked the the sharpest so far in um, spring drills. So we'll see. That's exciting. Cause I mean, he, his explosion um, in short distances and his lateral quickness with his running just brings a completely different element. Um, we haven't seen really anything like that. I mean, Gino ran a little bit, but I mean, it's been, since Pat White that we've had someone who could run around like there and hopefully he has a better arm. It sounds like from all the camps and everything he went to in high school that he has a pretty good arm. It's just decision-making piece, which you can teach that with reps. Yeah. 100%. Um, You guys got anything else? Nope. I don't. Nope. Nope. All right. Let's move on to the third topic then. So big 12 commissioner, Bob Bowlesby has announced that he will be stepping down from his position later in 2022. He has been the big 12 commissioner for the past 10 years. And uh, this is just my personal opinion. I think the scary thing for Mountaineer fans is he seems to be stepping down, not only due to stress, but um, just some of the comments, maybe I'm reading between the lines. He just seems kind of worried about the future of the Big 12 and college sports in general. It seemed like he cited the news of Texas and Oklahoma leaving to join the SEC in 2025, the 2020 COVID year, and the denial of playoff expansion was just all too stressful on him. And he has three years left on his contract, and he's still deciding that um, this just isn't for him anymore. So what is your reaction to this news? Uh, he also noted um, the alleged tampering by the SEC and ESPN on the Oklahoma yeah. and Texas exit. So I, I think he's – I share the same sentiment as much as I don't necessarily like Bowlesby, um, that 
college football needs to kind of look at itself and say, what do you want to become? Do you want to become the SEC and crew or do you want to stay the NCAA? Um, and there is a fear of that. I know, you know, with when you have those that conference alliance with the Big Ten, ACC and Pac-12, you know, they're aligning because the power that the SEC has and Bowlesby, you know, could have prevented some of this years ago when he could have expanded the Big 12 to 12 teams um, and meet its main meet its namesake, but chose not to. And I think that hurt a lot, too. Um, I think he did a lot of coddling to Oklahoma and Texas. Um, and ultimately that bit him in the butt because they can just leave and, you know, basically without any sort of retribution. Um, and, you know, he did drop the ball quite a few times. Uh, I'm glad that he reacted so quickly in the adding teams to the big 12 after Oklahoma and Texas left. Um, but he had to do that. You know, you need to prove that the conference can be somewhat stable, at least in the future to keep teams from like WVU from bolting. Yeah, have you guys seen who – have you heard who a candidate to replace him is? I heard Oliver Luck's name pop up. I heard Shane Lyons. Really? Really? Yeah. Ross Dellinger from uh, SI from Sports Illustrated, um, you know, the real Sports Illustrated, not the West Virginia Sports Illustrated, uh, yeah. listed him as a, as a candidate for the job and said he was one of the, the major players. Um, so that, that would be interesting. That yeah, would that be would be very – very interesting. I, I haven't heard that yet. Well, he has a lot of connections to Lions. I know, you know, he's been in Alabama. He's been in different roles, I think, within the NCAA. Um, so he has the connections. Um, he's on different committees and stuff. So, I mean, it might not be the worst thing. And also, you know, maybe it, tangentially not necessarily a bad thing for WVU either because of the way kind of, you know, there's been question marks about, the negotiations around Huggins contracts last year, where it seemed like there was a disconnect there. Um, Neil Brown and kind of the coaching staff issues and general, basically the past few years. So, um, and that I think extension, too. Brown that, extension. that extension yeah. when Brown was 10 and 10, that, that was rough. Yes. I mean, yeah. I understand that there was that, the, the fear of South Carolina stealing them, but, it really seemed like they were lasered in on Beamer. So I don't know. He, he just, he, they called his bluff and he paid him. <laughs> yeah. 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 They mentioned Alabama's um, athletic director, Baylor's um, Oliver Luck's name was mentioned. Oregon's uh, athletic director and Colorado's athletic director. Those are the names that were mentioned and uh, Shane Lyons. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I would be a big supporter of Oliver Luck getting that job. He's just seems like a good businessman with all the the teams he's had. It seems like they've had success. And, uh, you know, when he was in Morgantown, I I don't have any big complaints about how he handled the job when he was here. Um, Yeah, just some things to mention. Uh, Bowlesby, he made a lot of important decisions that might have saved the Big 12 Conference. So I just want to give him a shout out before we move on from that. Um, he was commissioner when TCU in West Virginia was added to the Big 12 after Nebraska, Missouri, Colorado, A&M left. Um, and of course, you know, the Big 12 has been pretty successful these past 10 years winning, you know, back to back basketball national championships and even national championships in other sports. So, um, yeah, I, I, I know a lot of people aren't huge fans of them, and I, I've definitely had my fair share of complaints while We've been in the Big 12, but um, 
you know, he definitely left his mark before he bowed out. Yeah, and I might be in the minority, but I'm really more excited about the new Big 12 uh, without Oklahoma and Texas. I'm excited to see what that league is going to be like, especially for, you know, for us as West Virginia fans. Yeah, I'm actually with you. Um, You know, it's been a few months ago, but me and Brandon were talking about it. And I keep telling him it's going to remind me a lot of the old Big East, like when we added teams like um, Louisville and South Florida, and I don't know. I, I have fond memories of of that era of the Big East, and I think it's going to be very similar to that. So I'm with you. I think it's going to be more fun than it is now. So the Big East, you know, I agree with what you're saying, Tyler. Where the Big Twelve is looking more and more like kind of like a basketball powerhouse that has just, just some really fun football to watch. Um, you know, I love the Big East when it had Miami and Virginia Tech and Pitt in it, but you know, it was really fun when you had those. Seasons where it's Louisville, Rutgers, WVU, South Florida, UConn. You know, it's not a lot of big name teams, but it was always a battle and it was fun to watch and every game seemed to matter. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Plus, Houston was a great basketball team this past year. And so, you know, adding them, I think, is big. Cincinnati has been great in football. Um, And I know it's a few years down the road, so Dana might not be at Houston anymore. But if he's still the coach there – you know, I don't have any ill will towards Dana, but um, I think that would be fun just to have a little rivalry there with our old coach. Yeah, that'll yeah, be wild. And, yeah, and uh, Huggins perhaps going back to Cincinnati would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that is good. All right. Um, well, that's a perfect segue. Speaking of Bob Huggins, it's official. Huggins is a member of the 2022 class for the Basketball Hall of Fame deservingly so and long overdue in honey huggy bears 45 years of coaching he has led his teams to nine sweet 16s four elite eights two final fours um he's the fourth most he has the fourth most wins in division one men's basketball history with 916 and by the end of next season he'll move into the third spot for most wins so it's official boys hugs a hall of famer what's your reaction it's about time. I mean, I don't know how those voters could push it off for that long. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's inexcusable. When you are winning that much, I understand he doesn't have a national title, but the schools that he's doing it at, and he's moved around more than a lot of these other coaches, you know, Cincinnati, Walsh, Kansas State, WVU. I know I'm probably missing a score or two there, here and there, but, you know, he hasn't went to blue blood pro- programs, and I understand Coach K started the Duke dynasty, but that was in the eighties. That was a long, long time ago. And Hugs was doing it a little bit after that when college basketball was a little bit more developed. And I think Hugs de- um, adapted and really found a way to win no matter where he went. And that's impressive. Yeah. I'm excited for him. Um, I've, I've heard that maybe the DUI in 2005 gave him, you know, a lasting black eye, and maybe that's what, what cut what took so long for him to get into the hall of fame um i but you know come on look dennis robbins in the hall of fame you know there's there's some questionable characters in the hall of fame and and he's done everything the right way you know since then and before then so i don't know maybe it was a lack of a national championship was what what was the issue i I really don't know because he's done everything else yeah i'm with you i think you know probably the national championship they they found a reason to 
to hold off on it, but uh, I agree with you guys. It was long overdue. Uh, Brandon mentioned some of the places he coached at, Walsh, Akron, Cincinnati, K-State for a year, and then, of course, West Virginia. And I was looking at this. Over the course of his career, he has won nearly 70% of his games, which is just insane. He's just under 70%. Um, And so he's had success pretty much everywhere because I was looking at his winning percentages at each school. Surprisingly, West Virginia is his lowest with 63%, which is incredible because that's good. And that means he was even more successful everywhere else. So there's only one constant variable in all of that. And that's coach Huggins. He's just an incredible coach. And um, I know he's taken a lot of heat this past season from some fans and, um, you know, obviously people have their complaints here and there. You know, I've mentioned I would like to see a younger coach on the staff to have some new ideas. The offensive scheme maybe needs change. But overall, um, you know, West Virginia basketball is in good hands as long as Coach Huggins is there. Yeah. And I think the one thing I like about Huggins the most too is the adaptability where when you had um, – you know, originally he took over from Beeline. He took that team with all that shooting and the zone defense experience and really made something that worked. Then he transitioned to more of his brand of basketball, the more physical, long New York's New York City guards coming in and leading the team. Um, and then from there, when we went to the Big 12, he transitioned again, booted almost the whole team, the team with Iran Harris and there's other folks. Um and turned it around, invented Press Virginia, and now we're at another inflection point where we can prove how valuable he is again by seeing what's next for him, and now he makes that next change. So I'm really excited for this next season because you know he's going to do something different, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, I do. I do wonder how he's going to handle the next couple of years because uh, next year I feel like is more than a one-year rebuild. It's going to take a couple years to get it back to where um, it was previously. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. I, at his age, I kind of wonder, you know, how much he wants to continue to, to, to rebuild a team. Um, but man, he, he's competitive and I hope he stays around. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. West Virginia has landed their first transfer this off season. Eric Stevenson, the six foot four guard is a grad transfer with a lot of playing experience. He started 31 games for South Carolina last year, but West Virginia will be his fourth school in five years. So what do you guys think about Bob Huggins' new transfer? I mean, look, looking at it, he he's definitely not afraid to let it loose from three. Um, the only problem is he's not a high-percentage shooter. You know, he's shooting close to 36% from the field and then 30% from three in his career. So um, I like it that he's not scared to put up shots because at times last year it seemed like West Virginia had guys who were just scared to even try shooting the ball. Um, So I like that, but, um, you know, hopefully those percentages go up next year for West Virginia. But I will say he's a great free throw shooter. He only missed one shot last year from the line. Um, and then just looking at his other stats, he was close to three assists per game last season, but he was also close to two turnovers per game as well. So um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. He, he's he been at Wichita State, Washington, South Carolina, and now West Virginia. So it is kind of odd anytime you see a kid constantly transferring. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. I like to pick up um, a solid, solid senior leader. Um, he became, from what I've read, the, the team leader in one season at South Carolina last year. So he's obviously a good leader. I just wonder who's going to score for the Mountaineers last, uh, next year. Um, Tyler and I were just talking about it. Like, who's going who's gonna to be our go-to scorer? Is it going to be Seth Wilson? I mean, who's, who, who can we rely on next year? Yeah, I'm really hoping that Okonkwu is someone who's really developed over the season because WVU likes to have those interior scores, and I think he's going to be really important. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we mentioned his name, too, because it seems like there's a lot of holes to fill in, like, the three, four, and five, four, five slots. Um but yeah, West Virginia certainly needs help at the point guard position next year. Keedy can't do it all on his own. Um, it, it seems like Kobe will be playing the, the two guard position. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where they put Seth Wilson. He'll probably be a two guard as well. But, um, yeah, you know, me and Brad were just talking about this. I wouldn't mind seeing them give Kobe or Seth Wilson a chance at point guard, especially with Seth Wilson's size. The only question is, does he have the ball skills to be a point guard? So um, Bob Huggins definitely has a lot that he can tinker with and, and mess around with next year. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, I think Kobe has the ball skills. I, I'm not sure about Seth Wilson. Seth Wilson seems more like uh, just a scorer to me. Yeah, yeah, and you might be right because, I mean, he didn't do anything to make me think that he had good handling it's just the idea of a big physical point guard is just really uh attractive to me but um i don't know yeah if he doesn't have that i mean he's fine at the two for for the you know limited playing time he had last year he proved that he could get the ball inside and put up some points so um we'll definitely see an increase in minutes for him but yeah it's going to be interesting to see how hugs pieces together a team these next few months the guy that the guy that I really like is is this Jake Stevens from VMI. Um, he's a West Virginia native. He's six foot eleven. He averaged nineteen points and nine rebounds, and he shot forty eight percent from three point range last year. I mean that that seems like such a no brainer to me. Um, I talked to someone close to him, and you know he said he that um, Jake Stevens wants to come back to West Virginia, but nobody's reached out to him from from West Virginia yet. So. Hopefully we do that because he, he seems like he'd help out an awful lot. Yeah, I'd love to have a stretch big for sure. Yeah, I'm with crazy from three. <laughs> yeah and, and, you know, he can rebound as well. That just seems to make too much sense from West Virginia. So, um, you know, maybe that's in the cards later on. I, um, we could definitely use the help underneath, so we'll see. All right, guys. Well, uh, if we don't got anything else, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks so much for joining us today, Brad. We definitely need to do this more often. Um, but uh, that's it. Please reach out to us on social media. Please follow us on Voice of Motown podcast, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Let's go Mountaineers.